0: The accounts shared on this podcast, including this episode, reflect the guests' thoughtful recollections and opinions of experiences perceived and occurring over many years, including childhood memories, which may be fallible and limited by perspective and trauma. Persons may have different memories regarding certain events. Welcome back to Kavah the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at CavalPodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H Podcast.com. Well, I am here today with Susie Larson, and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us on Caval. And so what we do is generally go through people's lives. So, Susie, would you like to share with us what your first memory is?
1: Well, Kelly, thanks for having me, first of all. And I'm going to tell you, I've done more interviews than I can count, and no one has ever asked me that question. So uh, what a great first question, my <laughs> first memory. It was... Um, it was actually good for me to remember this, but I was three years old. When I was a little girl, I had crooked teeth and the worst pixie haircut you can (laughs) ever imagine. I I just, uh, I mean, I feel pity for myself when I take pictures of myself as a little girl. But um, my parents captured a picture of it. I was sitting on the kitchen table and my hands were on my face and I was telling my parents, I am so precious. And they're like, you are. And someone took a picture of that. And, uh, that is my, I was three years old. That's the, that's
0: my oh, very first
1: memory. And that, I hadn't thought about it for years, so thanks oh, wow. sure for bringing
0: oh, that up. That's so sweet. So where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Upper Midwest in Minnesota. Oh. I grew up in a family of seven kids. I was fifth of seven.
0: Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So do you have any favorite childhood memories?
1: You know, I do have, when I, again, this is a, a question nobody's really asked me before but uh growing up um when well, we grew up seven kids my dad is the mayor of our oh. city uh, which was kind of interesting and uh one of the things that my parents were really good dancers and so one of the things they would do with us kids on friday nights often was they would move the furniture kind of out of the living room and pair us up and they taught us all the oldie dances so they so paired up the brothers and sisters and we did the Sugarfoot and the Jitterbug and all those things. And there were times when the, the local police officers would come to our house to drop off the council minutes, and they said they would see all of us kids, like my brothers, would flip me around and we'd be going under their arm. And that uh, was... Such an amazing, amazing memory because to this day, you know, we're all married. I think there's probably 45 of us in the family oh,
0: now. Goodness. To
1: be honest with you, Kelly, we burn up a dance floor. We love to go <laughs> to family weddings and we can dance. And that, that was so amazing to me. And uh, a couple other things my parents, you know, always made sure that we went up to this uh, resort, a cabin, a place where we would go stay for a week in the summer. And we did not have a ton of money, and it seemed like they emptied their pockets for our summer vacation as a mm. family, and then for our Christmases. Those two oh. things were the most important. And so my my dad said that the resort owner was, think of it, seven kids, and every year a oh. couple of us were allowed to bring a friend. Oh. And we didn't have a station wagon. So the resort <laughs> owner would just stand in there, and we would pull in, and they'd, they'd say watch how many people get out of that <laughs> <laughs> we were shoved in every nook and cranny I mean, they just kept coming you know and but to this day so we've been up to that resort 50 years in a row uh, oh my so goodness our, my, so our kids are grown and so all the siblings obviously are grown with grown kids and we all trek up there to the oh. you know now still so they established some really important you know family together moments wow. and uh yeah and i wouldn't say i grew up in a mainstream christian home and we grew uh-huh. up in a denomination where I knew God was real. I didn't really know Jesus was accessible. Mm. Um, and so there was, you know, a sense, I had a sense that God was real, absolutely, but right. not really much more than that.
0: Wow. So were there some significant experiences that you faced that you'd like to share?
1: And yes, there were. Uh, a couple of things happened that really forever changed us. Uh, they changed who I am and changed how I see the world and uh, one was, uh, I was nine years old and some boys in the neighborhood pinned me down and um, ankles and wrists to the ground and I won't say more but I had a Mm -hmm. sexual trauma and that experience and I was nine years old, and so I was very confused about what happened or whose fault that was, so I didn't tell anybody, but a canyon of mm-hmm. fear and insecurity. Uh, I just wasn't sleeping at night, and uh, it was uh, it was trauma, as you can yes. imagine. And then um, when I was 10 years old, I was walking home from school alone and uh, across this baseball field to get home, uh, and I, the, some boys were hanging out in the dugout, and I just remember hearing them say, get her, and they Ran out of the dugout, ran and chased me down, and knocked me to the ground and beat me up really bad. And you know, I know in my adult mind now as I remember their faces because they had this crazy look in their eye and they were laughing wildly. So they kicked me in the stomach and punched oh. me in the face and pulled my tussled of hair out. And I mean, I was pummeled by these boys, and I'm just a little four foot thing, and I'm screaming and crying, and they were laughing. And when they were done and they walked away laughing, and my hair was snarled and my lip was fat and I had scratches on my face and my ribs hurt and. I got up from that moment and I heard in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. Whoa. And it was like, in that moment, just a fear yes. came over me as a child. Yes. And it's like, I knew God was real, and then I knew the enemy was real. Yeah. And that really fear got into me and has been something I have dealt with my whole life. And yeah. I've come a long way. I'm not the person I used to be, but I am still not a fearless person. I'm, uh, ways to go. Other things happened in my adult years that sort of confirmed some fears for me, um, mm. but God has been so faithful. Yes. But those were two things that wow. really um, impacted how I saw myself, yes. how I saw the world, and how I even now process information.
0: Wow. I am so sorry. That is incre- incredibly traumatic and um, I'm sure affected you greatly. Um, now, at what point did you become? A person of faith in Jesus Christ.
1: So I, um, when I got into middle school, um, I got very busy. I was an athlete, I was a decent athlete, and I could sing, so I joined a special choir. And I just sort of got busy, so I could be um, go from you know be late at school to get home around the time that my mom got home. Mm. Because the boys that for the, that uh, I experienced the first trauma from were some of my brother's creepy friends, and I just wanted oh. to be busy. But I also wanted to uh, perform well enough to get myself out of the hole that I believe that I was in and I often say when I'm speaking at women's conferences that you just have to look at your first childhood memory of when you weren't enough mm. when you weren't safe wow. and you can see how because the enemy sees your potential long before wow. you ever do and when you see that first threat against you you can know that your threat against him is very connected to his threat against you. He, he's trying to take you out before you even know wow. who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you will misuse your time, treasure, and talents wow. to prove something that Jesus has already proven. And yes. so here I'm, you know, in middle school, just doing what any insecure girl would do. I mean, I, I had decent gifts, but I was just furiously using them, trying to dig out of the black hole that I was in. And in eighth grade, uh, some girlfriends asked me to do a, a slumber party and i was walking out the door and i was really super close with my mom and so they all knew i was beat up because i came home beat up but they didn't know about the other trauma but i was so close with my mom and there's a number of times i almost told her Mm. what
0: happened with those boys but i didn't know if that was my
1: fault and i just i thought it would affect our relationship and my dad was a public person and i was just terrified it's just like i don't think i can say that out loud so i was walking out the door to the slumber party and my mom uh, said, just teasingly, now don't sneak out and meet boys.
0: Mm. And I stopped
1: in my tracks. And I almost turned around and said, You have no idea. Oh. You know, that is the last thing in the world that mm. I would ever want to do. And, you know, yeah. I would not put myself in that position. Right. I just, I almost just, I mean, I felt it in my cells. You know what I'm saying? Where yes. was like a visceral. But I stopped and I just, I just couldn't, I wasn't ready to tell her. Right. Okay. Right. I'm all. And so I go to the, the slumber party, and we do what girls do. We were dancing to the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. you how old I am. And eating Doritos and all oh, that fun stuff. Yes. And, uh, and then it probably was about 10 p.m., the girls decided to sneak out and meet boys. And it literally, mm-hmm. like, I could, again, just feel this visceral thing, like, I'm I'm not not doing that right and so I stayed back with the two girls who smoked so I just thought that's way better don't you think <laughs> <laughs> I didn't inhale or anything actually they they didn't even want to talk to me they were sitting over in their sleeping bag they just didn't want to go out and I was sitting in my sleeping bag across the room and they were mocking what they'd heard in the Catholic school. They attended the local parochial school and they were mocking what the nun had been teaching about the book of Revelation oh, wow. as if, you know, seals are gonna open up and as if, and they were making fun oh. of stuff I had never heard before in my life. Wow. So I'm leaning and listening and I just, I was intrigued. So I went out um, under the stars, sat on the picnic table mm. and I just looked up to the sky and said, God, I know you're real. But if there's more to you than what I know, will you make yourself real to me? And I said, and this is hilarious, this is what I said, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I think it's kind of boring, but you can stand it up for me. we got a deal. (laughs) And I I always joke, I'm picturing God rubbing his temples, going in on a technicality. But uh, I just like, you know, just a simple girl. I just, you know, it's the spirit of God compelling me to look up. And uh, because of the particular denomination I was in, they didn't want you reading the Bible on your own. Mm. They wanted to leave that for the local mm-hmm. priest, if I can just say that. Right. And so uh, um, I started to read the Bible under my bed sheet with a flashlight, and I fell in love with Jesus, and mm. I understood why there needed to be a penalty for sin because I felt like the worst sinner of them all and so mm. I could not get enough of it and I I'm telling you it's like I I must have asked him to save me a thousand times so I knew I was saved mm-hmm. but I didn't know that I was loved by that wow. point. and um, I want to say is ninth or tenth grade I learned about a bible study in the next community and I lied about going so I told my parents <laughs> And so my mom would, like, I come home, she's like, how's the library? And I'm like, this whole family needs the library. (laughs) (laughs) We all need this library. Uh, But my mom was later on when I kind of came clean as an 18-year-old, how I've been covert Christian. Uh She smacked me, you know, she teasingly just, you know, smacked me one. And she goes, Mm -hmm. I knew you were sneaking to a Bible study, you know. And uh, we just teased back and forth. But anyway, one by one by one, most of my family is now saved.
0: Susie was fascinated by Jesus and Christianity, but it didn't make her life perfect.
1: Now, if, if you jump ahead, I'm a young mom. I married my husband, who was raised in a Christian home, and we had uh, got pregnant on our honeymoon. Um, mm. We weren't planning that; we were going to wait five years. But through that pregnancy, found out I had something called endometriosis, and so they uh. said you will need your you will need hysterectomy in your 20s. So you oh, wow. have your your kids now because this was really like aggressive form. So with my number two son, I was in bed for three months. With my number three son, I was in bed for six months. so I had a one and a three year old with six months of bed rest Uh and we were dirt poor. We had no money, literally no money. We had more medical debt than we had income. And I was, you know, so I'm telling my boys, you know, five more months, don't mommy can make your sandwiches. Oh. four more months the mommy can take you to the park and it was just the most disrupting time and it was a time where I wasn't able to earn my way because what happened from when I went from high school to performing I just went into Christianity in the same way I was on five committees I was super Christian and I, I was zealous I loved God right. I just thought this was fruitful service right. but underneath that drivenness was I had earned my way mm-hmm. and you know proved myself and that kind of thing so to be put in a position where I not only couldn't earn my way but I was becoming in debt to everybody, and they were all getting tired of me. and like confronted my worst insecurities. So about three months into my uh, pregnancy on bed rest, I was six months along, three months in bed, three months to go. The doctors had said, you know, go ahead and get up, and let's just see how you do. Because I was getting kind of depressed, and I just mm-hmm. missed
0: life, you know. Right. And the warmth of the sun on my face. And I met... Uh,
1: my old college roommates for lunch and we were just careful. It was a fall day. We went for a walk very slowly, had lunch and I was in back on bed rest that night and uh with within two weeks of that outing, I'm still on bed rest of course, a friend came to visit and said, Hey, can I get you your water bottle? And I pointed and pins and needles shot out my arm mm. and she kept talking and this buzzing numbing feeling started at the base of my skull and crawled around and started pulsating on my face and oh. I've got three months left on Doug rest and I've got neurological fireworks going off of my body and oh. I'd already felt like God had lost my address so to oh. have this happen I mean he just was silent you know oh. and uh, we were going broke and my friends had their health and their wealth and I didn't have either and to go from and overlapping six months in bed rest because of pregnancy to a potential neurological disease as a young 20, early 30 30s. Son. I couldn't wow. fathom it. I just couldn't fathom it. And uh, long story short, there's so much more to it, but um, I, I delivered Jordan um, three weeks early. And a year later, I mean, I was up and down, my health plummeted and it would kind of come up and then I would plummet again. They thought it was uh, MS, they thought it was a brain tumor, and then they, a year later, found out it was uh, Lyme disease.
0: For our listeners who don't know what Lyme disease is, it is one of the strangest illnesses that exists because of how it is spread. It begins as a rash accompanied by fever and headache, but if it's not treated immediately, it can spread to the joints, heart, and nervous system, causing permanent damage. The crazy thing is that this awful disease is spread by ticks. That's right. Susie's battle with Lyme disease began with one single tiny insect, and her symptoms would plague her for the rest of her life. Susie realized, though, that this was anything but random. She remembered those words she had heard as a little girl, and she was stirred up to fight back
1: that one day that I got up the, and the your tick got to me and dropped off and what did I hear in my ear? I can get to you anytime anywhere oh, I'm and God sorry. will never stop me so I will just tell you that is kind of my beginning years and my formative years as a faith person so if you read any of my books or listen to my show you will notice a fight language a little bit where, you know, I've had to contend for the promises of God and I've lived long enough and walked them long enough to, I just know that that's true. Right. Not everybody has the same story. Some have a worse story than mine, but but I have a great story because God's redeemed it and he's redeeming it. But what I do know is, you know, God does intend for us to flourish. But mm-hmm. The enemy intends for us to, to be stolen from. So we've got to somehow, some way, know, know who we are. Yes. Uh, stand in battle and then say, that thing is fine because yes. Jesus won it for me. So, Absolutely. Uh, that's kind of my story in a nutshell.
0: Wow. Well, I, what I love is that God drew you to himself in his word to prepare you for later on in life. And, yeah, and in just such a huge way. And so, um, so you're a young mom and you have Lyme disease and three little ones. And so what was little life? Boys. Oh, little boys. Little boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So what do you to happen? Let me just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes. Um, and lots of food. Boys like to eat. Uh, mine do. So, uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so tell me what life was like with, with that.
1: You know it was an army crawl for me and, and i want to tell you a part there's so many places where god showed up in such mm. a profound way like i remember um so right before i got pregnant with uh, jordan my youngest my middle son luke he's about 15 months old um, we almost lost him to a respiratory virus he was in the hospital for a week and they didn't know if he was going to make it out and then i got pregnant and so once i delivered jordan it was the dead of winter and uh RSV, the respiratory yes. virus, was epidemic proportions at that time, and they doctors had said, "You've got a brand new baby, and you've got a toddler who we, whose lungs are still healing from that you know mm. the trauma to his lungs not just nine months ago." And so they said, "Do not let anybody come visit you." That has even a remote cold, you know, wow. because of this respiratory virus thing. Well, someone did with their child with a green, runny nose. And within a few days, Luke, he was kind of in respiratory distress, or his chest was contracting a lot. Too, and he was kind of breathing heavily. Mm-hmm. They normally would have uh, admitted him, but they said just the in and out of the hospital with a new baby. We just think we're going to have you treat him at home and we're going to stay in touch with you. So we had this little split entry house and we, Luke was in his little playpen with a steamer blowing in and here, now keep in mind, I've got mm. neurological fireworks going off of my oh. body, but I don't know what's wrong with me. And so it just stirred up so much fear because yes. neurological diseases are terrible, you know, yes. but I would go down and I would pound on his lungs, you know, and I would disinfect my hands and change my shirt and I'd go up and nurse the baby and then I'd sit in this little rocking chair and I would. I wouldn't sleep because I would sit in that and kind of doze every two hours, up and down, all day, all night, trying to keep these two separate. Caring for my sick baby and her oh toddler, God. and trying to keep my new baby uh, apart from him. Wow! So after about three and a half weeks of this, and I have no sleep. I mean, you want a disease to have access to you, right. you don't sleep, right? right. So I've right. Got, my health is good, but I'm like, I cannot deal with that right now. I've got these little ones. So one morning, I went to get my little four week old out of his crib and he was rattling and coughing. So uh-huh. all my efforts seemed to fail And so I called uh-huh. our life group over from church and I and I really felt like the heavens were silent over me. Like I, uh-huh. I could not figure out and again it was the contrast of my friends who had
0: health and wealth were taking vacations. Right. Their kids
1: had name rent clothes. I mean, I really was a have not and I and I and, and to have God be so silent was like and I was so new in my faith that I just didn't understand mm. that he was actually preparing me for this, right? right? So right. the group came over, and one of them pulled out their guitar, they circled around his little car seat, we just put him in his little infant seat, and they laid hands on him and we worshiped oh. and I could feel the tangible presence of God. Wow. And I
0: was just like, even if it was sort of by
1: osmosis, like, even if it's just spilling over on me, I'm like, I'll take it, I've met yes. you, God, I want to just feel your presence. And so I'm sure we were on the cusp of a miracle, well... The next morning, Jordan's lips were blue from oh. breathing, labored. Oh. So I ran, had to rush him to the ER, and they admitted him two doors down from where Luke had been. And here he's four weeks old, and he's got double pneumonia, and <laughs> they hook him all up. And Kev goes to call people to ask them to pray. And I'm in the dead of winter, and my body is in, you know, some kind of crisis, and I didn't know what. And I sit down just exhausted from not sleeping for a month. And all of a sudden, something just poured over me joy and peace wow I can't explain it like it's supernatural Wow! I was just overcome by just a moment of God's hand on me and I I wrote in my journal I don't know what this is but I'll take it wow so now you jump ahead a year later when they figured out it was Lyme disease and this was 30 years ago so they just didn't know what they were doing Mm -hmm. back then and the home health care nurse came to my house and they put a shunt in my arm and they were hooking me up to IVs putting the bags in my fridge. And little Jordan is a year old this time. And he runs into the living room like little Speedy Gonzalez, just in his diaper. And they're like, what's he doing alive? I said, oh. what, what do you mean? And she said, I've taken care of two women who were bit during their pregnancy around the same time as you. When a year undiagnosed, much like you, both babies went blind and died. Oh, like, why, why is he alive? And I'm like what and she said has he been sick at all and i said yeah when he was four weeks old he had double pneumonia she goes what did they use to treat him and so i told her whatever the antibiotic and the iv and the steroid was and she said that saved his life she said before you knew
0: what you had that saved his life
1: oh. and i i
0: i was undone i mean i
1: because i was shaking my fist at god right at point where, Why? Why am I have not? Why are you not talking to me? You know, why when I Whoa. pray do I seem to get the opposite? And I mean, to tell you, that was such a moment. It just my knees buckled. And I just thought, oh, my word, we don't know what we don't know. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> God redeemed that his little life. You know, yes. I, I marvel. And I just, that is just true across the board. He's always kinder than we know and always yeah. more involved wow. than we can fathom.
0: Wow. wow. That is incredible. I yeah, he's he was working, and you had no idea what he was protecting yeah. you of. That's fabulous. So um, you went on to be a mom of three boys. And so when did your ministry life begin, writing and all that you involved you
1: know, in? That's such a good question because with Lyme, it wiped out my short-term memory so I did I came into marriage with all this passion and I'm a doer and I'm a task person so I had all kinds of ideas of you know not ambitions but just sort of Mm -hmm. living for Jesus in exciting ways and being involved in whatever he's doing on the earth and Mm -hmm. and when this thing happened to me it sort of wiped me out and I you know the short-term memory thing was a huge issue for me so I literally lost any kind of vision and was just thinking Lord help me live long enough to see my boys grow up you know and um and you know i because Lyme back then uh they just didn't know about it and the symptoms are so wild and crazy from one person to the next you know there were some who judged me and thought i was being a hypochondriac and i just i'm so not i mean i'm you give me 10 minutes of me feeling good i'm going to make something of it so i'm just i don't need something to get people's attention so it was so painful that people would make that assessment but others just knew Mm -hmm. we were crawling and trying to make make go of it and i, I just couldn't call in friend favor so i just tried to kind of i'd lay on the floor with my boys and just let them play around me and mm-hmm. just did my best to get through the days and in that place a woman from our church called and she said i've been hearing the chatter about <laughs> you on both sides and that uh, she said and i just needed to know for myself god what are you doing with this family what are you doing with this woman and and it, i could just almost hear her lean into the speaker on her phone and she goes "Susie larson you listen to me she said as i brought you before the lord he showed me a picture of a platform that he's building Mm. with your name that you're going to speak from someday so she said lean in and learn everything you can because you're going to have a story to tell wow and it was like god dropped a truth bomb into my spirit it never even occurred to me that he was up to something because i just wasn't seasoned enough as a believer and i didn't have anybody telling me such things you know right. and uh, for me i was like learning everything for the first time but when she said that i knew it was true and i remember around that time the lord really broke through the silence and said "Susie, are you a believer just because you've secured your eternity or are you a believer because you actually believe this stuff. Like, when are you going to shift your weight onto the promises to see if they hold? And Mm -hmm. and don't you know that faith and fear are opposing forces that you Mm -hmm. have to turn your back on one to behold the other? And it was like this defining moment for me where I thought, I've got to stand on the promises even when they don't feel true and they so did not feel true. Mm. And I actually got worse before I got better, mm. but it forged something in me. I, the more I stood, the stronger my spirit got, my soul got, wow. even though my face was going numb and the room was spinning and you know, all oh. that wretched stuff. But I got through it. And out of that, after I'd gotten that you know, call, I don't remember how much time, it, I mean, it could have been months, so I don't know, but somebody called from a mom's group and said, will you come and share? How you're keeping the faith. And wow. I was still sick. I had my three little ducklings in tow. You know, yeah. uh, they had holy genes before that was a thing. And, you know, <laughs> uh, we, and I sat down and I did, I just felt like I was honest. I've got more questions than answers, but this is what I know to be true. And I just did yeah. not think it was that great. But that's sort of how it evolved. It kind of wow. emerged out of the ashes. Mm-hmm. And then in due time writing and then due time radio. And I mean, that's just a longer story. But, uh, but the Lord really, did that, and I, I'll just add one last thing: is as I was starting to emerge, I started to see a lot of celebrity Christianity emerge as well in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and um, it was nauseating to me just because I knew where He rescued me from, so right. I really uh, that's been very uh, I don't know I've had a very adverse reaction to that. So right. if anything I've really distanced myself from that in a big way. And right. I'm an introvert anyway, so <laughs> but, uh, so God has been wonderful to way are a calling that fits who I am and how I am.
0: So yeah. Yes, that's incredible. So what is your life like today?
1: Well, most of my time goes to radio i have a daily talk show um, that you know that when that evolved that was just such a gift from god because i am an introvert and i love to read and so i'm reading a good five books a week to interview five guests a week you know um oh. and reading a good portion of each of those books and I, I mean it's just that brain work is super good for me anyway um, right. so i work three-quarter time for a network a radio network and uh, i still write books and mm-hmm. uh so I just finished my 18th book, which will come out next fall. So I just had one come out this past fall right. called Prevail. Yes. 365 Days yes. of Enduring Strength from God's Word. Yep, and, uh, it's wonderful. thinking so is the third thing that I do, uh, but I keep it on the tightest leash. So I'm, I'm with a a national agency, and so, but I probably will tell you I say no to maybe 8 out of 10 or 7 mm, out of 10 invites, right. just because I still have some physical challenges. Right, and right. I, I'm, I'm super disciplined and I work out right. almost every day, so by looking at me, I look very healthy and by all accounts, I am very healthy, but I still deal with inflammation and right. um, some
0: setbacks. So right.
1: uh, radio and writing I can do from my home and, yes. and keep my health rhythm. And uh, But we still go out because we see incredible ministry when yes. that happens. Uh, yes. But I just have to keep it on a tighter leash for the sake of my health.
0: Yes. And so what gave you hope um, in all of you know, looking back on your life and all of that that has happened to you, what gave you hope during all of those times? God's Word mm-hmm. and His
1: presence and mm-hmm. the times that He broke the silence. You know, there was one time, one moment when... Uh, and during the line in the early years when i'd lie in bed at night and that was always my worst time because mm. dude, that's when new neurological symptoms would flare there was one night where it felt like someone's putting a spear through my leg and I, it was so excruciating and i'm like it, this is so weird you know and uh, mm-hmm. but fear was always just a thing for me um and i remember begging god every night please god just to let me be a mom to these kids give me some strength yes help me overcome and I, I, I begged him and it would just like bounce off the ceiling it seemed every night and one night the Lord broke his silence um, and said if I healed you would you praise me mm. and I said you wouldn't be able to shut me up I would praise you till the cows come home right, and right. he came back with why is that would mm. you praise me because I am worthy to be praised because I gave my one and only son to die for you or would you just praise me because you got your way mm. and um, I as you know i'm a young believer and it was like my life passed before my eyes a real like a movie real and i realized you know again i i knew i was saved i just didn't know i was loved and so when you don't know you're loved life becomes all about you because selfishness or insecurity is just another form of selfishness Just wow. is. and so i saw for me how so much of what i had done even my good things were to rescue my sense of self and if i could share this poem that he gave me that night i um I hope I can do it from memory. Do you have a second for me to share? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, it goes like this. I titled it A Time for Everything. I hope I can remember it now. But it says, I've walked through many storms. My prayers were filled with tears. The enemy was so big, confirming all my fears. Mm. To a distant God, I would ever cry. Just wanting an answer. Always asking why. Yet heard I not from him, nor his angels singing was all that I could do, his robe to keep on clinging. Then suddenly one night, as I beckoned him to be, so real that I could feel him, he finally spoke to me. Said he, my daughter Susie, I love you with my life. No more would I ever hurt you than be the cause of your strife. You see, it's not my hand that's delivered all this pain, but it's true my hand is there to hold yours in the rain. It's something how men see me according to their need. Instead of praise and faith, they ask and beg and plead. Mm. I am a God who doesn't change with time, nor change I with the season. I don't have to explain myself, nor give you detailed reasons. I've given all that I could give when I gave to you my son. I emptied out myself for you as if you were the only one. What I do, I do for you because I love you so. What I allow, I allow for you because I want you to grow. It's in faith, praise, and trust. You will find you are strong when demands are replaced by a faith-filled praise zone. Mm-hmm. It is there you'll find peace where there once was strife, and it'll be just enough to have me in your life. And it was that moment of that wow. night, I literally I had a t-shirt on, and I, I tore it in, in repentance mm-hmm. and rolled onto the floor under my face. And I said, God, I, I really do hate this. I, I hate this. I love my husband. I love my kids, but I hate my life. I hate mm-hmm. this, but I love you. And whatever you say goes, because I, you're not only my Savior, my you're my Lord. And you mm-hmm. don't owe me any explanation. Mm. I'm not going to shake my fist at you. I, I submit to your rule and reign in my life. And it was like this moment where the kingdom entered my soul. And I started to see myself in a bigger story. It just wasn't about me anymore. Yeah. And there were moments like that, Kelly, over and over again, where God would break through and confront something in my core belief system about my my view of him or my wow. life or my story. It's just like he'd grab my chin and tilt it up and go, This is what's true wow. And it just would give me enough, you know, rock under my feet to keep climbing and keep going. And oh. uh, he's so great. He's so yes. loving. He's so sturdy. He's so profound. And, you know, we're all works in progress. Yes. And he's so patient and he travels with us at the pace of grace. And
0: that that's what keeps me going is his wow. presence and his word. And yeah. just,
1: the way that he is with us is just
0: amazing that's incredible so what would you like people to take away from your story
1: this is what i say all the time that god is good Mm. His promises are true. Yes. And he will always make a way for you. Wow. And, uh, that's just true. And we have these expectations of how we want life to go on this earth. And we want it to tie in a nice little bow. Yes. But earth is a blip on the screen. Eternity okay. is forever. Right. And we're, we need to expect that we will have trials. We're going to have trouble. Yeah. And any gospel that tells you that this is your best life here and now is not the gospel. I mean, you right. look in scripture in the New Testament, suffering is just part of it. Right. There's not one tear that you uh, shed that isn't collected in a bottle. There's not one step of faith that God will not reward. I mean, he moves on every act prompted by our faith. So our faith is more precious than gold. And Scripture talks about that your private struggle for faith will really one day bring public honor because Mm. there's a day when God honors you before a watching world and claims you as his own. So all those private struggles, they matter. And so keep walking, keep believing, keep trusting. But don't look to this life to get all of your story tied up in a nice bow because there's just some answers that are too glorious for this world. And those are the things we're going to see unfold. I believe in the very near future.
0: Yes, well, thank you so much. And "Prevail" is available now at um, at any bookstore.
1: Well, let me say it sold out on the day it released, so which is awesome. Oh, wow! Do that before, yeah. Congratulations! uh, The next shipment uh, that's coming in from overseas—you're not going to believe it—but it was coming over on a ship and the storm hit and 100 cargo units ended up in the sea they tell us that prevail did prevail but it (laughs) ended up at a port somewhere so there's literally it's been months between my first shipment and the second and we're supposed to be seeing it sometime mid to end of december but i do know amazon still has copies that's the only place that i think has any copies left so if you want to buy christmas or before you definitely want to, um, you
0: want to get it done. Okay. Okay. Well, I think it's incredible. I've been reading it and it has touched my heart so much. And I thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It is, um, such a testament to what God can do and how he can bring life. Even in those dark places that he drew you to himself. And I thank you so much for sharing that and your, your tender part of your story. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, is there anything else you want to add?
1: I just want to thank you, Kelly, for what you're doing and how you really are helping to bring the kingdom, you know, by helping testify to God's goodness through these stories. Uh,
0: I just honor the gift of God in you. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Kavala Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures and podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q A V A H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.